K-State head coach Chris Kleiman speaking on Brent Venables. It is, we call it the Friday rush. Now it's on Wednesdays during football season. But then Travis is also sometimes on with us on Fridays like he was last Friday in Omaha. So we just call it the Friday rush. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, even though we're here every single Wednesday on uh, The Ref from uh, 2 to 6 p.m. I, uh, I'm going to ask you, and like any question, when I ask you, the text line is always involved in this, 405-651-3439. Brent Venable said on uh, Tuesday that we're through the first quarter of the season. Three games is actually a decent sample size for a football team. With that being said, Travis Davidson, is this team better, the same, or worse than what you thought it was going to be now that the non-con portion is over? Well, I was pretty bullish, uh, specifically on the defense. Um, I mean, I remember saying, well, we have to be greatly improved because we have the best defensive mind in football uh, now, you know, coaching the team. And he's bringing, one, you know, one of the best strength and conditioning coaches back. We've got the um, maybe the best, uh, not one of the best um, offensive coordinators coming in. And we will bring in Jay Nunez to – you know, improve the special teams. So in my mind, I thought, okay, offense will likely improve if not just, you know, stay the same. Defense will greatly improve and special teams will greatly improve. So I think those are things that we've seen throughout the year, right? I mean, special teams is much better. We've already racked up the uh, as much yardage as we racked up the entire season. Marvin Mims alone has um, versus the entire season last year. Uh, Michael Turk continues to be great outside of one that went off his foot. Uh, but the defense is, is a top 10 defense. So leading the team, leading the country in tackles for loss, I think we're sixth in sacks. So yeah, I, I, I think, I think it's about what I expected, believe it or not. Gunny Stutzman's army says better. Uh, this team is better than through three games than what he thought. And I'm probably on that side. I, I don't think it's significantly better than what I thought it was going to be. But I didn't expect this defensive line to be this disruptive this early. And, uh, yes, they're going to play better offense as the year goes on. I know that that's going to be the case. But the TFLs and the sacks that they're getting, especially against the Nebraska offense that isn't all that bad, um, it's impressive, man. They, they've been a little slow on offense more than I thought, and, and really that was just the second quarter against UTEP and the first half against Kent State. Special teams are better. Defensive line is considerably better than I thought it would be. Yeah, this team is, through three games, they are further along than what I thought they were going to look like. And, and you and I both picked them to go to the playoff before the season. Yeah, and and to your point about the offense kind of getting that slower start, you know, Levy has talked about, oh, you know, I could have, you know, I should have mixed it up a little bit more. But I'm under, I'm, I, I subscribe to the theory that Levy was either told or he did it on his own accord that we didn't want to put absolute, we wanted to put nothing on film, absolutely nothing on film as far as exotic looks, creativity, anything like that. So I guess. I guess I'm judging this team by how they look when they're actually trying to look good, I guess is the way I could put it. That Nebraska game, they were trying to look good, and they looked good. Um, so so I, 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 don't, I maybe don't hold the Kent State first half um, 
you know, as 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 damning as maybe some others do. Sooner Geddon uh, says all better except quarterback and offensive line. Slight disappointment there. I'll agree with you on the offensive line. Um, quarterback, I just still continue to be uh, confused on the Dylan Gabriel. Hey, hey, if Gabriel plays well on Saturday, are we going to stop this? This is this slander of Dylan Gabriel when he's had like, a, what, nine total touchdowns and no turnovers up to this point? Can Saturday yeah, be where it ends, please, if he plays yeah, well? I think, I think the turnovers are the biggest part for me. I think when, I think when we – knew that Dylan Gabriel was coming. We were bringing a highly productive guy uh, that took care of the ball. I think he's got better completion percentage numbers than, you know, if you average his time over at UCF. But you, you take Nebraska, for example. You take that game. That 61-yard touchdown run is exactly what we needed. It was a run to calm everybody down, even everybody sitting at home watching that were starting to get a little nervous it calmed them down. It destroyed the body language of the, the Husker defense, and we, we just started rolling. So we, I, I keep saying we don't need Baker. We don't need Kyler and because we have a defense now. We have a, we have a defense that's giving up 10 points per game. Baker and Kyler would have, would have gone, both gone undefeated with national titles if they had a defense that looked like this one. I mean – or at least close to it. I mean, I know they, they ran into some juggernauts, but they were not that the defense that we had during their seasons wasn't even close to this. So he's taken care of the ball and he's been productive in, in in the pass game and the run game and he's he's taught everybody else the offense. You couldn't have brought in Jackson Dart and had your offense look like this. Jackson Dart, some might say will have maybe some different physical tools, maybe some better physical tour, tools, but Dylan Gabriel is the reason this offense is cooking like it is. Jeff Levy even said that. And people will say, well, he missed some throws. He totally did. But find me a quarterback that never misses a throw. Eight ones. Show, show me the one that is never that does not miss throws. Patrick Mahomes misses throws. Yeah. Like, give me a break. 817 area code depends from December way better, from August expectations slightly better. Yet what if I would have told you um, in very early December – while OSU and Baylor were playing for the conference championship, I would have said, hey, everyone, uh, through three games next year, even though you don't know who OU's head coach is going to be yet, uh, they're going to have 13 sacks through three games and rank number five in the country, uh, number two in tackles for loss, and be number 14 in scoring with 10 points per game. What do you think everyone would have said about that? Like, hey, I know it sounds bad right now, but this is where you're going to rank in sacks, TFLs, and scoring. Pretty good, huh? Most people would have said, oh, well, then we must have hired Brent Venables. Ah, then we are going to get Brent Venables. Okay, sounds good. We're not going to hire Cliff Kingsbury like Adam Schefter is reporting. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I I think everybody would take it. Um, And I think those that wouldn't probably maybe got a little bit over their skis when all the Brent Venables hype was going on, which is totally understandable. It's fine. You know, we can talk about – you know, what we expected, what we didn't expect. But, man, it's hard to argue with the results on the field that we've seen so far. They have another opportunity to impress against Kansas State. Me thinks that they will. Uh, well, Tyler, have you stopped the slander on Eric Gray? I didn't know there was ever any slander on Eric Gray. I was excited about Marcus there- Major like everyone else, but in the postgame show, I said, 
he made a statement today. He is, uh, if there was any confusion about it, he made it pretty clear. Eric Gray's running back uh, one moving forward. Yeah, and, and it was it was really the during the Friday rush when we were in Omaha that said, you know, because we said there should be an opportunity for a running back to separate himself, and the text line agreed, everybody agreed, but I think they were only agreeing if that meant Marcus Major was going to separate himself, <laughs> a couple people on the text line. Now that Eric Gray did, it was, oh, it was just Nebraska. Well, oh, I know. yeah. I mean, every, every single player on Oklahoma played against Nebraska last week. And Eric Gray is uh, among power five backs, I think number six in the country, five in the country, in yards per carry. It's 7.7 yards per carry through three games. That's pretty darn good. And here's the thing. I, I, I spoke with uh, a coach about this. He said, um, Eric is understanding that he can take his time once the ball snapped. I think he said early in the year he was used to the oh tempo 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 hurry up whenever i get the ball i have to hurry up as well whereas obviously a tempo offense means that your time in between snaps is where you have the high tempo but once you snap the ball you run at regular game speed and he said that eric's seeing uh the holes a lot better allowing them to develop um he's been a lot more patient and you saw that you saw that against Nebraska. I mean, he had big runs, the big touchdown run to the left, big touchdown run to the right, both of which went didn't didn't get getting it popped out to the outside. This isn't jet sweep talk. This isn't a pitch to the outside. He is going through the line of scrimmage between the tackles and scoring touchdowns. After everybody said, "Well, if you sneeze on Eric Gray, he falls over." Yeah, yeah, we did get that text on Friday. I don't think anyone. Well, I don't want to say that because if I do say it, someone will make a note to text us that on Friday. I know how it works on the Air Comfort Solutions text right. line, but they hold us accountable. That's either, good. There was not much uh, Eric Gray slander Saturday after the game. This says stop with the negative Dylan Gabriel talk. The quarterback and the rest of the offense will continue to get better. Uh, as they get in sync. Hey, I I agree. We're not the ones bringing up the negative Dylan Gabriel talk if you're talking about us. It's some other people right now. I I think he's been been fine. And it's going to be skewed a bit because, look, we could have hung 80 on Nebraska if we wanted to. If they wanted to leave Dylan in and if they wanted to really punch up the score, that's one thing. With this defense, if if Nebraska, if it would have been, I don't know, 28-24 at half. Dylan Gabriel staying in that game until the bitter end. And that's that's hurting his numbers a bit scoring-wise, but it's fine. He doesn't have to. The team's winning, and by, by large margins. If Again, if Baker would have had this offense and would have been up by, what, 42 points or, uh, you know, 35 points, Whenever, you know, we're into the third quarter, he would have been pulled. And guess what? He wouldn't have had as many touchdowns. That's this, just that it's simple as that. The program has gone through a 100% complete transformation. There's nothing left resembling anything from the previous staff, says the uh, 469 area code. It is a very interesting point because the blueprints of how to win football games, uh, yeah, has completely shifted because the blueprint for so long, or at least during the uh, Lincoln-Riley era, was be great offensively. Be the best offense on the field, outscore somebody. 
Um, I, we're not really going to win games with defense or special teams. We're going to win games because we have the most elite offense, arguably, in all of college football. The blueprint, uh, blueprint shifted now. You really had one way to win previously against big-time opponents, and now I think you have more than one way, which is more of a championship blueprint. They're going to be able to win with their offense. I think that we've seen that they're going to be able to win with their defense, and special teams is really going to be an aid to how they win football games as well. So before, Travis, you had one way to win. Now you've got more than one way to win. I think OU fan recognizes that. OU fan likes this style a, a whole whole lot more. Yeah, and so lo- looking at the rankings right now, Oklahoma ranks 20th in points per game. 20th in points per game. But if we had a defense that ranked, you know, in the in the hundreds, our offense would have to score more. This is this is widely accepted logic, right? Tyler, you would expect? Uh yes, I would expect. If we had a worse defense, that our offense would be forced to score more late. So we would score more points per game if we had a bad defense. There's only a touchdown separating us from the number seventh ranked offense in the country. So that's what you have to look at as far as some of these some of these rankings. Dylan Gabriel is leading one of the most potent offenses in the entire country, and he's doing it without turning the ball over. I don't know what more you need. I don't either. I love Zayden Tulsa, though. I'm sorry, guys. I would rather have Josh Allen than Dylan Gabriel. <laughs> but Josh Allen misses throws. I've seen him. Yeah. Well, Josh Allen missed on a lot of throws when he was at Wyoming and even early yeah. on in the NFL. Now, he's figured it out, and he is – but he's missed on throws. Two or three, six touchdown passes last week or this uh, this past uh, Sunday, and even he was skipping balls to Tyreek Hill uh, in Week One. So this whole oh he misses he misses some throws. Yeah, find me a quarterback that doesn't. Yeah, I, and it's only been like three or four. It's not been like ten or eleven throws that he's missed up to this point. So and I, he'll miss them without putting them in in danger. Yeah. He, he's not he he'll throw above somebody in the back of the end zone where only he can get it. He threw one down the sideline to Mims that he didn't get, but it was back kind of where Mims is the only one that could do it. On those slants that he's missing, he's putting the ball out in front of guys where only they can get it. It's It takes a lot of talent to, uh, you know, apparently miss a lot of bad throws, miss a lot of throws badly, but still they never end up on the defense's hands. Weird. Uh, too bad this remote is uh, during the season because last time you were at Flamingo Fish and Marine in Eufaula, you had what three or four offensive linemen that are, that were out there. Yeah, had had uh, had four of them out here with me, and they uh, they loved it, and they're still they're still staying in contact uh, from what I've been told uh, with old Zach up here at Flamingo Fish and Marine fishing. You know, they talk about a lot of people golf because. You know, when you retire, you can uh, golf is something you can do forever. Let me tell you, you can fish forever. I promise you, you can fish forever. So, uh, yeah, just uh, just come on down, get yourself some gear or uh, restock on some stuff, and hit the lake. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. More college football on the other side. Keep it locked in the ref. K-State quarterback, 
Former Nebraska quarterback, saw him last year, Adrian Martinez, uh, not having a great start to the season. I think he has one touchdown pass up to this point, and K-State's leading receiver, Malik Knowles, has 10 catches for less than 100 yards this year. So the K-State passing attack has not been very prolific this year. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to get through as many texts as possible, then we'll move on to more college football because we've already talked a lot about Dylan Gabriel this week. I'm sure we will continue to as the week goes on. Uh, 918, people bashing Dylan Gabriel obviously do not actually watch the games. John from Bartlesville, I remember some really bad tosses by Sam Bradford. Many were underthrown. Uh, 580, if DG starts throwing picks, OU fans get a call for Chad Powers to come out of the transfer portal. That's a good joke. I get the Chad Powers reference. Like that was Eli Manning secretly trying out for Penn State as a walk-on earlier. Um, Lebby has handcuffed the offense as well. Our offense should be within the top seven with ease. We've taken out the offensive starters in every single game. So, yeah, I, the very small minority of fans are saying that ah, Dylan Gabriel's not very good. It's not the majority at all. Yeah, it, it, it shouldn't be. And like I said, I mean, I think Kyler Murray's, uh, Kyler Murray's Heisman year, he had a 69% completion percentage. I think Dylan's somewhere around 67%. I mean, obviously Kyler, he's not Kyler. I'm not saying he is. Kyler brought – you know, in, insane uh, attributes in other areas of the game, but just the accuracy thing. I think what this is, re- what this really is, Tyler, is this team has played so well that we're just looking for stuff. We're nitpicking, and we're nitpicking a quarterback that is is playing really well and hasn't turned the ball over and leads one of the most potent offenses in college football. So, but that's a good thing. It's a good thing that we're like after week one, when everybody could just talk about the crowd, because they weren't talking about like a five point win over Tulane like we were last year. Um, after Nebraska, we are trying to nitpick the quarterback a little bit because we just boat raced them and scored more points than Oklahoma has ever scored in that rivalry uh, at at Lincoln. So I, I think that's what it is. I think I think people are a bit restless and, and nitpicking and, and trying to find. The holes in the in the team. Yeah, maybe so. It is uh, a little bit interesting to be nitpicking about the team and not talking about anything defensively. It's all offensively up to this point. Weird, or the huh? crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is uh, pretty interesting. You know, uh, this is a massive game for Texas this weekend, and I think as of right now, you could make a little bit of an argument that Texas is maybe one of the bigger mysteries in college football at this point. Now, look. I've been pretty consistent on my take that, yes, Texas played Alabama really well, had a chance to win that game, but I don't think that that's the Texas you're going to see every single week because I've seen this story before, and I think that you're going to see a Texas team as the year goes on that doesn't resemble what we saw in Austin against Bama. But, hey, look, they've won since then, or at least they've won one game. I could be wrong about that. I mean, I guess there is a scenario out there where Texas could be a lot better than what I'm thinking. Uh, This week, on the road, in front of a sold-out crowd in Lubbock against a Tech team that's had a decent start to the season, this is going to be a, I don't know if you want to call it a prove-it game, but this is a big spot for for UT. Yeah, I, I think, as usual, we will see what Texas is when we play them. Um, that Bama game was weird. 
I mean, full of penalties. We're, they're not going to see a home field advantage or really an advantage like that all year. That was that was the craziest Texas fans have been. Uh, you'd have to think of a game. Maybe was that 08 Tech maybe that would have rivaled it? Yeah. I mean, 08 Tech and Lubbock I mean, was pretty nuts. Yeah. Um, it's just – Texas, I don't believe in them because I still don't believe in their offensive line. Alabama played one of their worst games that they've played in years and still found a way to win on the road in a crazy environment. We saw this happen with Alabama last year, too. So, um, yeah, I suppose we'll just have to see on them again. Just the uh, offensive line, something to worry about. Big spot for them, though, because uh, Tech's going to be rare to go for this one. I know they lost at North Carolina State last week. God. They've got to do a better job of protecting the ball with uh, with Donovan Smith. But yeah, big spot for UT, and I think they're around a six, six-and-a-half-point favorite over the Red Raiders on Saturday. If they win this game, man, they win this game, and then they beat West Virginia, and then you combine that with OU beating Kansas State on Saturday and then winning um, in Fort Worth against TCU, this is going to be a massive, massive OU-Texas game. Yes, they are all big, but this one's going to feel a little bit different because the stakes for Texas will be extremely high in this game, and obviously OU will roll in as an undefeated top-five team if that happens. Like That's going to be a real chance for a statement win for a staff in Texas that's looking for their first signature win and a staff at OU that's looking for their first big OU-Texas win. So... If both teams take care of business before that, I feel like it's going to be one of the bigger OU-Texas games we've had in the past. I know that's not saying a lot because Texas has been going through the decade of suck, but it's going to be a big game. Well, of course, it always is a big game. And something to consider is anytime either school um, gets a new coach, we saw this with with the transition from Bob to Lincoln, right? I mean, it's always, okay, like – Let's get off on the right foot with this new coach that they have. Obviously, Texas had a new coach as well. But Sark has to feel like, man, after last year, I have to be the one that kind of gets ahead of this. And if if Brent Venables in his first year beats us, then it's probably not going to change much. This is my best opportunity to jump on Venables in his first OU Texas game as a head coach. Yeah, so it, a lot to be on the line for uh, both those staffs. But, hey, Texas got to win this week. Heck, OU got to take care of business. A couple of tough games uh, coming up for them. But, uh, yeah, man, it, it got a chance to be pretty massive. And I, I think that Quinn Ewers is probably going to be back for that OU game. It, it sounds like he is recovering a lot quicker than maybe the initial timeline said. Uh, he was – there he is back at practice. Uh, sounds like there's a thought that he's going to play against OU second weekend of October, which yeah they're they're going to they're going to make sure of it. <laughs> They'll pump him full of whatever they need and make sure he's out there. Uh, let's see Air Comfort Solutions text line four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. I guess Paul Feinbaum had some thoughts on Bedlam earlier today. He said, "Quote: We're talking about Stillwater, Oklahoma." Mike Gundy hasn't said anything significant since I'm 40, I'm a man. What he said yesterday was nonsensical. Oklahoma is moving on. They're going to be playing Alabama. They'll still be playing Texas. They'll be playing A&M and Georgia. This is a nice little game in a small state, but the rest of the country is giving it a big yawn this morning, in quotes. Now, 
we are already trained around here to basically hate everything that Paul Feinbaum says. And even though he definitely took a shot at the state of Oklahoma in there, I feel like most OU fans are going to laugh at that comment from old uh, Paul. They might actually well, we're like the, it a We're going bit. to the SEC. He's going to love us now. Fascinating comment. Wow. Mike Gundy has not said anything significant since I'm 40, I'm a man. Well, I mean, he said some very entertaining things around here, Paul, but something that ca- uh, captured the uh, national media's eyes. I don't know. I think he's maybe said one or two things since then, but dang, basically saying, yeah, they care in Oklahoma. We don't care around here about yeah, Bedlam. It, and, and I know Feinbaum is, you know, playing to his SEC base. Totally get it. Um, and and no, he said a couple more things than the, than the I'm a man, I'm 40 rant. But it does – you know, bring up a good point, which is nationally this this game isn't, you know, as highly revered as as we think maybe, you know. I mean, when you when you list the rivalries, the great rivalries of the sport, does it make the top 15? Um, I, I mean, if you want to go off the past 10 years and the stakes that have been in the game, like, it has a chance, sure. But if you're talking about how the country views the all-time college football rivalries, no, I don't think that it rakes there. And, and honestly, Travis, it was probably never going to. No. No, it wasn't. And and it's not going to because of the things that we keep saying. OSU's brand isn't big enough. That's why the SEC didn't want them. And that's why they probably will do better with you know when they get out of the giant shadow. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think – I don't think Bedlam is as as nationally important as a lot of Oklahomans would like to think or maybe do think. Uh, Gunny says Feinbaum is trash too. So (laughs) the OU fans, yeah, still saying, eh, maybe I like that comment a little bit, but Paul Feinbaum's still trash. Let's not. He's going to talk real nice about us uh, going forward. So uh, don't we can't we can't we can't be uh, seduced into liking Paul Feinbaum. You got to stand your ground. 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439, Air Coverage Solutions text line. The rush rolls on next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans. OU Offensive Coordinator Jeff Levy talking a little Kansas State this week. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, it is the rush, live on the ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you this hour of the rush. And, hey, KREF Army tailgate again this Saturday. We'll basically be out there all day long. Uh, Travis and I will be on from 4 to 6 p.m., uh, but you got Parker coming up. Tra- uh, Parker will be on from what, uh, He'll be on from, if I got my time right, like 1 to 3, I think, is when he's going to be on on Saturday. He'll be out there at the Hertz Donut parking lot. Uh, and, and Travis and I, we, we got Jeremiah Hall coming by on Saturday. So, uh, pay your respects to a Sooner Greats right there. Come out and get a free t- T-shirt and hang out with Jeremiah Hall. I- I'm going to be very interested to hear what he has to say about this new regime at OU. I would almost guarantee that it's going to be all positive, but to kind of hear his perspective of things, especially with as close as he is to uh, Braden Willis, I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah, and, and I think that's key because he's a guy with his relationship with Braden 
that he's stayed kind of in touch with kind of what they're doing. He knows what to look for, and, you know, he's fresh off of last year's team. So he knows what's up, and he should be pretty good on the mic, too, since he's got his yeah. the podcast on the prairie. So really looking forward to Jeremiah. If you've not met him before, he is a delight, and he will be out. I think he's moving back to Oklahoma for a little bit, moving from uh, Carolina uh, to be full-time in Oklahoma, if I'm not mistaken. So really excited to have him on. Maybe, just maybe, we could have him as kind of a, maybe a regular guest. I'll have to talk to him about that, that but that would be a would lot be of awesome. fun. Yeah, that would be really cool if we could uh, make that happen. Uh, the running backs right now, I, Eric Gray, I would guess, gets your first carry on Saturday. Marcus Major is your—he's uh, your number two running back. Is—is is this a situation Saturday where we mainly see those guys, or can uh, Javante Barnes sneak in and get some big carries on Saturday? Well, what's interesting is you don't often see this, but Javante Barnes led the team in rushing attempts last week. Or led the team in carries. That speaks to how quickly um, Jeff Levy got the starters out of there, but. I do think you see Javante continue to carve out a little bit of work. I think maybe the snaps, uh, if we're going off percentage-wise, um, with maybe 5% of snaps going to, you know, Tawi Walker, if Gavin Sawchuk um, gets uh, gets the rock finally, I think it breaks down something like probably 45%, uh, 40%, and then, you know, 10% something like that in a in a hard fought game obviously Javante Barnes carries are going to go up but I think you're, you still see a, a pretty even split from Marcus Major and Eric Gray Marcus Major actually had more carries than even Eric Gray uh, did at Nebraska so uh, we'll see I still think Eric Gray is going to slightly edge uh, Marcus Major in carries but Javante Barnes is going to continue to creep up the carries yeah Eric Gray had arguably his best game at OU uh last week man the the two touchdowns that he had yes he didn't have the most carries but he did have the most yards by a pretty wide margin uh Eric Gray looked good and with another really good performance on Saturday I think that that's going to quiet a lot of the doubters on his ability as a running back. If he's the leading rusher again, has a couple more touchdowns, he breaks a couple more runs out in the open field and scores, I think the tone around him after the game will be drastically different than what it was Friday while we were doing the show in Omaha. Yeah, we'll see. I know that there are some people that are just – absolutely bent on Marcus Major being RB1 no matter what Eric Gray does. So you'll still have those folks. Uh, but I did have some people that I talked to after the game say, man, Eric Gray really showed showed some impressive stuff, some power, great balance, speed. I mean, if he's got one guy to miss or one guy to make miss, um, he made a miss a lot. He made some guys look pretty foolish. Obviously, Marcus Major did as well. Um, with his famous juke against Kent State. But, yeah, I think, I think Eric Gray's the guy going forward. I mean, how can you not, you know, how can you, how can you not make the guy RB1 when he's, you know, number six in the country in yards per carry? Thank you, Victoria, on the text line. Every time uh, Javante Barnes carries the ball, I imitate you saying his name. I appreciate that. And what I want is, yes, when you hear the PA guy on Saturday, think of me and think of this radio show. I hope yeah. everyone does that. I can't. I can hardly even say it on air without like, <laughs> pant- you know, without mocking—not mocking, but without repeating you a bit. 
I'm going to say it in front of Jeremiah Hall on Saturday during the pregame show and see what his reaction is. I, I don't know like how he's going to respond. Hopefully he'll just look at me and laugh and make fun of me, but I'm going to do it on Saturday just to see what reaction I get. Well, yeah. I, I think we should get a uh, – do you think you could do a celebrity uh, – you know, we saw Gus Johnson with the spider bite come out of the booth for uh, the second half of the OU Nebraska game. Maybe uh, OU's PA, not to say you should plant a spider in the booth, but maybe you could pop in for maybe a quick fourth quarter uh, cameo. It is my lifelong dream to do that, Travis, if I'm being honest. I, I'm, I, I'm just waiting for the call to the big leagues in case anything happens. You won't even know he's gone. That's the beautiful thing, you know. He could take a vacation and no one will know. Yeah, you've got it, buddy. I, I total faith in you. All right. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, you got to bring me up there as your as one of your spotters, though. Uh, yeah, I could definitely, I could definitely do that. I was thinking about some surprise teams in in college football so far this year, and yes, yeah, still very, still very young on the sea. I mean, o- only three weeks in. I- I've got like three surprise teams though up to this point. How can you not say Kansas and the three and O start that they're off to up to this point with three and O and two road wins? By the way, KU's won at West Virginia and an 18-point win at Houston. KU's a surprise team for me. Washington is a surprise team for me. Michael Penix at quarterbacks looked really good. And then Penn State, man, not that Penn State um, is like some out-of-nowhere team that we've never heard of before, but I I didn't think Penn State was necessarily going to win at Purdue and at Auburn. They got a couple of – A lot of uh, local radio guys picked Auburn to beat Penn State and kind of laughed at you know, Penn State and their ability to win those big games. Some other radio hosts um, saw through that and knew Penn State would win. But, yeah, it's uh, – They got a couple freshman running backs that are good, man. Like, Penn State's not what, bad. This, the surprises begin and end with Kansas. I mean, Kansas has been the butt of football jokes um, for, uh, I don't know, since the Bush administration. So, for them to – have such a crazy offense. They've had a good quarterback. They finally got him some dudes to block for him. Um, and Lance Leopold, you know, everybody rumoring, oh, man, guy, he's got to be Nebraska. He's going to Nebraska. I mean, Kansas Kansas looks good, man. I, I joked earlier uh, on the 247 boards uh, talking about David Hicks uh, visiting and when he was going to visit, this, that, and the other. And uh, – there were discussions of whether or not he would visit for the Kansas game, and I said, well, surely he's not going to miss OUKU, um, you know, since we'll be hosting game day. <laughs> and somebody's like, somebody was like, really, are we? I was like, no, nobody knows yet, but what I'm saying is OU and KU could be 6-0 and going into that game. Yeah, um, their, their schedule is – they got three straight home games after two road games to start the year. Uh, they get Duke at home. Like this is a massive game for KU. If they beat Duke at home, and I think they're like a nine and a half point favorite, like they're on their way to be to play be playing in a bowl game. They'll have Duke at home, Iowa State at home, and then TCU at home before finally rolling to OU in mid October. I am not going to predict that they are four, five, six, and zero coming to Norman. Um, but God, they do have three consecutive home games. Against teams that aren't top twenty-five football teams, I, I, it may not be the craziest thing to say, but golly, if KU six and zero coming to Norman, it would be epic, right? And but that's but that's why when you talk about teams that are you know surprises, 
Can you imagine, like, oh, man, Penn State's got three unranked opponents coming up. It would be insane if they actually won those. Like, no, nobody would say they'd be like, okay, we expect Penn State to, Penn State to uh, run through this uh, pretty easily. Kansas, we still don't believe it. it. I don't care how large of a favorite they are, who they're playing. Still, the Kansas thing, it, it doesn't feel real. It does not feel real. And do not lose to Duke at home. Because if you lose to Duke at home, KU, you've ruined it. And we're all going to say, oh, yeah, there it is. It was a fluke. Same old KU. Can't even beat a, another basketball school at home when this is like their biggest home game in God knows how long. I, biggest home game for KU since when? I mean, seriously, they got a chance to make a bowl game for the first time in a long time. And they're a massive yeah. favorite at home. Texas didn't even do that last year. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. 405-651-3439, Air Comfort Solutions text line. We'll close up the hour coming up next. Those jobs are both open right now. Uh, apparently, Nebraska, they like Bill O'Brien, Alabama offensive coordinator, Lance Leipold, head coach at KU, and Matt Campbell, head coach at Iowa State. Arizona, Arizona State apparently likes Matt Rule, head coach of the Carolina Panthers, and Kenny Dillingham, who I think is the OC at Oregon right now. Um, I like Lance Leipold potentially at Nebraska, especially if he keeps winning games. Matt Campbell, sure. Arizona State, that'd be a home run if they're able to get Matt Rule. That'd be a great hire. I just don't know if he'd go there. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why you would. I think Matt Rule's agent um, would fumble that, uh, no pun intended, if he ends up with Arizona State. I mean, Arizona State, I could see maybe like Alex Grinch. I know he wants to be a head coach. Uh, seems natural uh, going there, staying kind of in that Pac-12 on that West Coast um, that he's coached in before. With What do you think about the Auburn job? I don't think – I think that one's going to become open very quickly. And that's where I think some of these guys are going to wait because Auburn is a better job than Arizona State. It's a tougher job, but it's definitely a better job. Right. Yeah. They're just so bat, you know what, crazy. It's, you know, well, I'll I'll sign a big contract there and I'll have a massive buyout. They'll fire me in three and a half years and I'll be living large after that. Right. Right. Again, the the fired head coach of college football team, it's the best job in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, you know who would love to have Bill O'Brien in Lincoln, Nebraska? No, I don't know if if Alabama fans. Well, yeah, okay, there you go. I was looking for the answer. I'm like, ooh, I can't think of it. Yeah, Alabama fans. They cannot stand him. He's – he failed with the Texans. He's failed as Alabama's offensive coordinator. I mean, you've got the Heisman winner, and you can't get play calls in. Um, The wide receiver group doesn't look very good. Um, Just – just not playing well. I mean, tough stuff, not getting plays in quick and often this line doesn't know what they're doing. This is not the Alabama that we saw um, under, like, Lane Kiffin and things like no. that, even under Sark. So, Bill O'Brien, sure, he coached in the pros. Outside of what he did at Penn State, that's pretty much what I – it's like, okay, you were successful at Penn State, but they were good when he before he got here, then they had sanctions. But Bill O'Brien, I think, would be an awful hire, which means – Alabama would love it. I know Arizona State's a baseball school, but always been interesting as to why they've stunk for so long. And they've had some good teams here and there, but you should be able to recruit to Tempe, Arizona. There's at least some decent talent in the state of Arizona, and you border California, but that has not mattered whatsoever. Arizona State in bad, bad shape. Final hour of The Rush is up next.